0: Hi, I'm Gail Trotter, host of The Gail Trotter Show. I'm so excited to be bringing you interviews of people behind the scenes at the Republican National Convention this year. We're so excited to welcome on the show today Cassie Smedley. She is the Deputy Communications Director for the GOP. Cassie, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Good morning. Great to be with you.
0: So last night was a I guess, Republican Palooza. (laughs) You had so much excitement about the people who were presented to the American voters to know what the Republican Party stands for, what Donald Trump stands for. We had a lot of surprising speeches by uh, people that maybe the American people are not uh, familiar with. They're, They're new on the national stage. What was the most surprising thing that you saw that happened last night? Oh, that's such a tough question because there really were so many surprising elements. But
1: one, I think you have to say the naturalization ceremony. That was a beautifully patriotic moment, and to think you are a new American—you've been going through this process, some of them for close to a decade—and you have the president of the United States formally welcoming you, being the first to formally welcome you as a fellow American. I thought that was a really incredible moment. Um, loved the pardon, of course, and just to see um, how they were—the shock on their face. But then I—I I always love hearing directly from the American people. That's one thing that I think this convention has done so well. Yes, we're talking about the achievements from this first term and how President Trump has been there and fought for the American people. But who better to tell that, that story than the people who have been impacted so positively by the work of the president and Republicans? And so I loved hearing from Abby Johnson. That was an incredibly, uh, incredible harrowing testimonial from her. She used to work for Planned Parenthood. Um, and then, of course, Nicholas Sandman, the first time any of us had heard his voice at all. And uh, I think he gave remarks that every parent, I'm sure his chief among them, can be proud of. Um, but talked about how the president fought for him. The president did not allow his life to be ruined because of the activists left and cancel culture. And in that moment, of course, when he plopped on the MAGA hat at the end was a was a great fine point on that. And then, That was a great yeah. moment. Wasn't and that so fun? I think fun? you
0: could see that there was this Uh, contrast between the Democrats cancel culture and the Republicans promoting a culture of success and I think that really resonated through a lot of the speeches last night
1: oh yes absolutely and and to say that they have a fighter in the White House that this isn't just because this is what we believe and value as Republicans we have a president who believes in values as we do and is fighting for us on the very issues that are most important to us I love that you know, Joe Biden couldn't be bothered to go to Wisconsin, where his convention was "quote unquote" held. Not only did the President Trump show up to his convention in Charlotte on Monday, but we had Wisconsin workers, uh, with people that we had a manufacturer, and we had. Um, a farmer talking about the real impact of the work that President Trump and Republicans have done on their behalf and what that's meant, not just to their lives and livelihoods, but their communities. You know, I spent a lot of time actually up in Wisconsin. And one of the things not too long ago during the Obama-Biden administration, the number one issue that women said, mothers said was the issue that they stressed about the most was that their children did not have a home that they could come back to. They went away to college, but then there wasn't a job back in their hometown for them to return to, and so they had to go to the big cities. And that's not the case anymore. In cities, small towns across America, there's a place and a job to go back to. And that's a significant difference thanks to the work of the Trump administration.
0: Speaking of mothers across America, Now Melania should be on the cover of every single fashion magazine and that was showed last night too. She looked stunning. She looked stunning and she had overseen the uh, remodeling of the Rose Garden and it was I would say just an electric moment for her and for the American people to see her and to hear her story, her immigrant story, and her giving credit to her parents or being the reason why that she was standing there, she had a message for mothers as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes, and I do want to just underscore, you know, the Hollywood elite and fashion houses aren't going to give her the credit she deserves, but so many millions of us just, we wait to see what she's going to wear. But last night to have that moment, waiting to see what she was going to say and to see that she delivered a strong, but very compassionate message to all moms to stand up, to make sure that you can raise your children in a safe community and in a healthy home and get them the education they need. And she tied in her Be Best initiative with that. But how she also touched on the pandemic in a very compassionate and poignant way that parents are taking on more than they ever imagined. It's a tough job as it is. And now to add teacher and and caregiver full-time, on top of a full-time job, overtime, I guess you can say. I think that was a message that the American people really needed to hear. It was something, again, we didn't hear last week at the DNC, certainly not in any compassionate way. And to see our First Lady, Melania Trump, delivering the message, and it just underscores how how seriously she takes this job, how proud she is to be in this role. And we know that every time she steps out, she is, doing it knowingly as an ambassador for our country and for so many millions of women and
0: mothers um, across the country. The segment with the Vice President of the Navajo Nation might have been surprising for a lot of Americans. And he was able to express how the Trump administration has helped Indian country and come through with promises that had been made over many years, but have been forgotten. Could you tell us a little bit about the Trump administration's outreach to the Indian country?
1: Yeah, so mm-hmm. then candidate Donald Trump in 16 said very famously, the forgotten men and women of America will be forgotten no more. And I think everybody took that to mean a different thing. Was he talking about manufacturers or farmers? Was he talking about urban communities that have been run by um, Democrats for generations and now and run into the ground, essentially? And then he reminds you of one more that are great uh, Native Americans and who are people that have been um, given millions of government dollars but not a lot of support and that even president trump was the first to really or the first in a long time i should say to make sure that they are remembered and to make sure that they are cared for and to have um that a leader in the navajo nation to say that he was there for us in a way that other government officials haven't been before especially in making sure that we had what we
0: needed through this pandemic We're celebrating in America the anniversary of women's suffrage. And last night, there was an excellent montage of the top women in the Trump administration. And I thought a signature moment of the first night of the convention was Senator Tim Scott talking about how his family went from cotton to Congress in one lifetime. And you could say the same thing about women not being able to vote at the beginning of the 19th century and now they have the ability to or i'm sorry the 20th century and now they have the ability to be at the very top of our federal government including kellyanne conway who was the first woman behind a successful presidential victory can you tell us a little bit about what that means to you personally
1: Yes, a great pioneer in her own right. And yes, happy Equality Day, happy 19th Amendment Day. This is officially the day that it was inserted into the Constitution. Um, And of course, those great suffragists, Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, who fought for our right to vote that we cherish and enjoy a hundred years later, and I have to give a shout out. There's a video on all of our GOP channels and on the chairwoman's channel that she filmed in Johnstown, New York, with Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, who of course is one of our great rising stars in our party. And Johnstown is in her district, and that's the hometown of Elizabeth Cady yeah. Stanton, and one of the, the the founding spots for the separatist movement and they went up there to film this film and one of the pieces that the chairwoman touches, touches on in it is that she says you know to think about these women and how hard they fought for our right to have the right to vote and they didn't live to see it get passed none of them lived to the moment that it actually was ratified and that just puts a fine point on the work that we do today the fight that we're fighting for today whatever that may be in our own lives and our government we may not see the realization of it, but it's no less important to go out and do the work towards it. And I think um, that's a wonderful message as we think to what's the next suffragist moment? What's the next suffragist movement? Our chairwoman and Elise Stefanik have been instrumental in ensuring that we have a record number of Republican women on the ballot this cycle. That was a huge initiative that they took on and made sure that in literally in just two years, we overhauled um, our process to make sure that we had more, um, more women felt comfortable putting their name on a ballot. Um, and also to talk about more women feeling that they can achieve their American dream, whether that's with this administration fighting for and achieving a uh, paid parental leave. Um, getting that signed into law for federal workers, that's the first step, and we hope that will be carried through um, with more options and flexibility for the private sector as well. That's a huge achievement, it, uh, a long-made promise by so many politicians that this president well, and the Republican Party ushered through. Um, so no. it is a, a, an exciting day, and I'm so glad that we get to have our convention on the 100th anniversary so that we get this opportunity to really underscore it and highlight it and remind all voters, but especially women, to utilize and exercise the hard fought for right to vote.
0: Well, we'll find that video that you mentioned and be sure to link to it below. I haven't seen it yet, and I'm very excited to see it. We'll be sure to link to it down below. I'll share it with you. Uh, as aspect women have really benefited from the Trump administration so not just at the levels of government and in the direction of the policy of our country, but also economically, which means they're better able to support their families, to give their kids the opportunities that they wouldn't necessarily otherwise have in just that spirit of optimism. Can you tell us a little bit how women have fared economically under the Trump administration? Certainly. Well, prior to the coronavirus artificially halting our economy, we saw
1: historic record low unemployment for every sector of work in our country, that absolutely included women. And that means that we saw more women saying, this is my chance, this, the circumstances are right for me to take a chance on starting my business, or going into the workforce, or back into the workforce. Maybe they have taken some time to step back, to step into family life, and now they're um, getting back in. And we know that women are often the managers of their household, the managers of the budgets, the decision makers for your healthcare, and, that while the left would have you believe that we only care about one single issue, we know that we care about all the issues because of how they are intrinsically tied into how we live our lives. And Donald Trump gets that. And you've seen that in how he has, not only just in the policies that have positively impacted women, but just how he speaks with and engages all voters, especially including women. When he goes out and meets with um, workers and voters, that he wants to know their thoughts on every issue and how he can work on policies to better
0: every aspect of our lives. I think Tiffany Trump and Eric Trump made great speeches last night, particularly Tiffany. She's got a newly signed law school diploma and it really touched me how she spoke about how her law school graduation was remote this year and she really is kind of in uh, coordination with students around the country, not just graduate school, but colleges. And I think that's been an important part of the Trump administration, trying to get kids back in school, understanding that it's not just one health issue with the coronavirus, it is beyond that. And there's seems like there's a real effort by the Trump administration to make sure that schools open and they open safely.
1: Absolutely. And I do think that was a really relatable moment from Tiffany Trump. She says, I know how you feel. I've been there myself um, for so many students at, at all levels. But yes, you know, the Democrats say listen to the science and absolutely listen to the science in terms of physicians and talking about safe protocols, wearing masks, keeping socially distanced, washing your hands, making sure we have good access to testing, which the administration has ensured all of those things are available. But also, let's talk about science like psychologists and psychiatrists and people who we're saying that keeping our children in homes away from interactions with kids their own age, they're losing out on critical critical time to develop the skills in their brain to learn how to interact. And we don't know the long-term impact that that's going to have on them. And so when you're weighing how to get them back into schools, and so to do it safely, the priority should be on getting them back in a place where they can interact again, that that has to be equally as important as um, making sure that they have access to masks and testing and all of that. And the president, very much to his credit, and I would say to the dismay of the mainstream media who is unwilling to give him any credit, the president has been working overtime with his team and, and the professionals to ensure that we can do that.
0: Well, we have the third night ahead of us. And can you give us a preview of some things that we should be looking for or expecting this evening? Yes, so we started with Land of Promise. Last night
1: was Land of Opportunity. Tonight is Land of Heroes. And so I think it just as proud Americans, that's a night that's on its face sounds really exciting because of course that means we're gonna hear from a lot of um, men and women in uniform, military families, uh, frontline workers, first responders. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear um, an expanded definition of hero, of course those who are taking on um, these unprecedented times and doing extraordinary things with it. And we're of course going to hear from our great Vice President, Mike Pence, who will be coming at us live from Fort McHenry, Um, and I believe he'll have a live audience with him, and I think that's going to be an exceptional backdrop to underscore how this administration really has stood with all heroes in our country, most especially those men and women in uniform and their families, and that we have restored the military might, restored um, the resources needed for our military men and women and our veterans to have what they need, not just to defend our country, but to live a right. prosperous, successful life after their know, days of active duty play? are over. Uh,
0: By the way, you them. made me think of Mike Pence's segment last night, oh. and that was just astonishing, being at Abraham Lincoln's boyhood home and thinking mm-hmm. about what an American story that is that we've heard Each night, and going back to the first Republican president ever, Mike Pence was just amazing talking to real Americans at such a historic and inspiring place.
1: Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up. That was just a really beautifully done piece, to see him having these very candid conversations I love with little Jack, who was given the right to try. And that was done at first when Mike Pence was governor of Indiana, and he passed a right to try legislation for his state and then how the administration worked hard to pass Right to Try on a national level and what that has done um, for so many who were otherwise told that there was no option for them, that they were gonna have to accept that they had a terminal diagnosis there but for President Trump and Vice President Pence pushing through the right to try legislation. And to see um, the smile from, from Jack was just a really sweet moment. And I loved that we got to see our Vice President in that light as well. He of course is um, a wonderful, compassionate, God-fearing man, and it was neat to see him uh, I think sort of in his element um, engaging with extraordinary Americans um, in a very ordinary way.
0: Well, we're so excited to see what happens tonight. Cassie, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Make sure to subscribe below so you don't miss an episode. We're going to link to all these great speeches and segments that we referenced in our discussion today. And please comment down below on what you're most looking forward to in the third night of the Republican convention. Thanks for
1: listening to the Gail Trotter Show, right in D.C. Be sure to sign up for her mailing list on her website, gailtrotter.com. And also follow her on Twitter, at Gail Trotter, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe now, it's easy. Thanks for listening. Share the truth. Share the Gail Trotter Show.